podcast ain't played nobody. Brace yourselves for the most on-brand email you've ever received for this program. Okay. Then Briner writes, Hi, y'all. Subject line, How being trash might slightly help some CBS Sports Network broadcasts. As we know, CBS Sports Network is trash. Just anecdotally, it seems being part of a low-tier channel means fewer cameras at your broadcast. And watching some CBS's, CBSN games... CBSSN games. See, that's why it's trash. That seems likely with limited replay angles. The thing is, the channel is also a home for, for Service Academy slash option football. In those games on that channel, it feels like almost every replay is from the end zone, i.e. The, the one best suited for watching an option or run-heavy team. Any chance this is intentional or just a happy accidental marriage of option football and a low-tier garbage network? Uh, Everybody's on notice. You write into this podcast. First off, we don't give out our emails, and yet you guys keep coming. So you have to, one, be intelligent, resourceful enough to do a little Googling, and two, the bar has been raised. Service Academy, option, making fun of CBS Sports Network. Everybody's, everybody's game just had to step up right now. Ben Briner is official greatest emailer ever of the podcast. I think we, we anointed someone about a couple of months ago, but it's, it's Ben's title belt, y'all. You're just living in his world. I don't even want to answer it. It answers itself. If it had managed to incorporate, like, what, Purdue and raising money, uh, it would have pretty much covered all uh, possible. I views. feel like the Purdue thing, we're, we are a week away from the anniversary of nonstop Purdueness. I feel like it's time to, to lay it down. Among other things, it won't be quite as fun because they might actually be good. Right. Uh, probably not next year, but, you know. Right. And they, I, they, they are no longer directionless, maybe. We will set out in quest for another assy lower-tier pop uh, Power 5, but I'm Talk, in... Looking in, at you, Wake Forest. In no way do I feel like we should continue the Purdue meme. I feel like I feel like we're a pale imitation of ourselves. And actually, that was mean. Wake Forest made a bowl this year, so I retract that comment. When? What bowl? Uh, they, they thumped uh, Temple in the something bowl. That's news to me. All I do is cover this sport for a living. Ben, uh, you you are correct. Um, it is it is a uh, accidental happy marriage. Happy accidental I marriage. Figure that's a total accident. Yeah. yeah um, so, uh, depending on how much money is being spent on a particular crew, um, that's how many cameras that you get at an event. Um, so, the top top tier crews for college football coverage are in no order. There's just sort of an A group, and then an everything else. The CBS SEC crew. Uh, the, it's the ESPN on ABC Saturday night game, which I think if you went down to like the dollars and, and little trickery spent, uh, you know, extra camera equipment and things like that production effects, that's probably the premier broadcast in college football right now. That's just, you know, you've got that one if you get Fowler and Herb Street. And I did a story or I, I answered a question maybe about this. Um, I think after the Clemson Louisville game, Bill, I can't remember. Because um, they do those like big, wide kind of cinematic tracking shots when 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 Clemson runs down the hill. That crew has more cameras, more bells and whistles, more production elements than any other uh, in the entire ESPN family. Um, SEC, CBS, and then <clears throat> I would say that I think it's an it's an NFL sized crew that does the Notre Dame games for NBC. And then after that, you get sort of tiers on down to where if you are watching a I, I don't know like all the pair, the announcer pairings anymore because they change so much. But like if you're watching a Saturday night game and it's Auburn and Arkansas, 
you're getting a full allotment of, of cameras, so it's, it's, it's over 20, I believe, for a standard crew. Then on down to where if you are watching, let's say, an ESPNU game on, on a weeknight and it's Troy and South Alabama, that's going to be maybe not necessarily a skeleton crew, but it's going to be considerably less. And then uh, if you are watching just an ESP, uh, ESPN3 only broadcast or something that's just only online, you, you may only have literally, I think, like two or three cameras. If not one. I've seen, I've seen one before where it's just a static shot. Yeah. So that's how that works. It's just about the, the amount of money that's allotted um, to the broadcast. It's a budget like anything else. Um, you know, CBS obviously is not going to send out um, 25 cameras and 25 unionized cameramen and production trucks and, and all the bells and whistles for a Mountain West game as much as I would love them to. And uh, the funny thing is <clears throat> Army itself is actually, uh, when you get into those, like, really, really small cable networks and those really, really, like, niche broadcasts where you're talking about less than a single point in the ratings of the Nielsen's. Army's very consistent because they that broadcast will go out across the world. Um, you tend to see, like, consistent, albeit sometimes flat, demos for Service Academy football. Now, Navy plays in a couple bigger games a year, which is something Army's trying to change. Like, Navy will always play Notre Dame, and Navy will play, you know, I don't know, Pittsburgh, they'll play they'll play a slightly more decent schedule just by virtue of the fact that they're in the American. Army um, is trying for that, and they actually bring in pretty good ratings. So it's a shame. There's nothing we can do about it. I mean, at this point, I think we should just lobby to have someone from CBS Sports Network on the show. <laughs> I think the irony ends up if they somehow go on like a hiring spree and they get uh, you know a bunch of money that they hire Bill and I. I think that's probably the, the worst possible ending to this podcast. Yeah, seriously, I, I I don't approve. But you know, I I mean, if you wanted to like just bring us on as like the the Friday <laughs> night like dual color commentators, that's I, I I'm okay with that. This this podcast ain't played no bunny. It's a college football marriage of numbers and words. He is the robot Bill Connolly. He invented the S and P Plus analytics system. He is the proprietor of SB Nation's football study hall, and he is the author of the forthcoming book, Fifty Best College Football Teams of All Time. Asterisk. My name is Stephen Godfrey. Um, and I work here at SB Nation. I have a couple announcements, though. Uh, Number one, a a lot of you have asked about Google Play. It is in the works. I can't tell you when and I can't tell you how, but we're uh, receiving a little bit more assistance on the back end for our SB Nation podcasts. So those of you hit us up about once every month about Google Play. Obviously, Bill and I don't use Google Play. What do you use for podcasts, Bill? What are podcasts? Fair enough. Uh, Um... I have subscribed to a bunch on iTunes, and I listen. I have some set up for SoundCloud, and I listen to none uh, because I'm terrible, and because like I, I've I've found that if I'm actually writing, like if I'm doing a bunch of data stuff right now, setting preview stuff up and whatnot, I could probably listen to podcasts right now. Although now the 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 trickle has uh, or it's slowed to a trickle, but um, when I'm actually writing, I cannot listen to other people speaking. So uh, that limits my options for uh, podcast listening. Um, and my, I, and, my commute, and my commute is about eight seconds long, so that also eliminates that. Um, thanks to a fierce amount of travel and dog walking and, and just husbandly chores in general. I'm a, I'm a big fan of Overcast. If you guys listen on Overcast, that's what I use. It was recommended to me by our coworker, Richard Johnson, actually. And it's um, if you have a lot of different podcasts... Um, I would recommend that over the, the basic Apple app. But apparently a ton of you are Android listeners and Google Play listeners. And um, we are not, but we're trying to make that happen for you guys. That's all I can tell you right now. But that's better than just us saying, okay, sorry. 
Um, we are going to Wednesdays. Are we staying on Wednesdays? Are we going or staying? Well, I, I, I mean, it's kind of like going back, except like the next two days, the podcasts are going to be on Thursdays. So uh, we're, we're pretty blurry, which I think is on brand as well. But yes, we will. It's Thursday this week. It'll be Thursday next week. And then in theory, after that, we'll try to stick to more of a Wednesday-ish type of schedule. That doesn't mean we're going to be on next Wednesday. Correct. We're actually not going to be. Um, I will be back on the road for National Signing Day. I'll be um, embedded with a team. Uh, It's a Power 5 team, unfortunately. Sorry. Staying off brand there. Uh, So we'll have that up, and then we will try and get one out uh, immediately following National Signing Day on Thursday. Um, Our buddy Bud Elliott is, I think he's kind of neck deep at it right now, and so we'll probably, I think for purposes of this show, we'll probably have him on after the fact for a postmortem. Um, since I guess this is the de facto National Signing Day preview and we're not going to talk about National Signing Day at no. all, no. Um, it's probably best if we just let the smoke clear and then go back and try and pick at it a little bit and see if we can learn anything. Um, any other – oh, uh, I have a quick item. We're going to spend the entire show on Bill's uh, Top 100. I contributed – most everybody at SB Nation contributed to it. Um, Bill actually built the list himself. It's very much his baby. Uh, I, I have – soft launched a possible weekly concept for the off season and i didn't mean for it to be a mailbag style thing but i had a question from a listener uh when i made an offhanded comment about alabama hiring greg byrne one of my uh eagle-eyed editors uh who were making sure to to prod me into um consistent content in the off season said hey you should turn that into a blog post and i did um so you can check that out it's basically ask godfrey so if I get questions that I feel like are good enough to, to pull and extrapolate out and turn into content, I'll do that every week. You don't have to use the hashtag if you don't want to, but if you guys hit it's me up on stuff, hashtag. what's up? It's a very good hashtag. Okay, thanks. Um, it, of course, was immediately co-opted by a lot of you, um, a lot of you wacky smart Alex uh, into inappropriate material, but that's okay. I appreciate that. Um, so, uh, by the way, uh, speaking of upcoming, um, so. <laughs> so preview start uh, the the 2017 preview series starts in a freaking week and a half. What? Um, I thought. Oh, I thought we had three weeks. Yeah. Uh, the well, we did a week and a half ago. Um, oh but God. so yeah, the the a week from this coming Monday will be the Coastal Carolina preview. But just as uh, since we're kind of spelling out the schedule here, so next week is going to be. Last year we did this and I really liked it. So um, the Friday before preview start, I'll have the initial S and P plus projections up. But what we did last year uh, that I liked was so there are basically three three pieces of the the S and P projections. There's the recent history part, there's the uh, recruiting part, the two year recruiting, and then there's the returning production part. As I introduced last year, like per- percent of offense returning and whatnot. Um, so what we're gonna do around signing day then is Monday I'll po- I'll post the like just the recent history part and we'll talk about that. Tuesday, I'll, po- I'll post just the returning production part. We'll talk about that. Thursday after signing day, we'll do the two-year recruiting part. Uh, and then Friday, the whole list will go up. So it's kind of a week with, with Wednesday staked out for signing day stuff, obviously. Um, it is funny. I mean, I this the way this industry works, like we have absolutely no reason to talk about recruiting until after the fact, whereas the recruiting industry is set up to basically just restart next Thursday uh, as all the talk ends for this class and then begins for another one. Um, so it's kind of like on Thursday, we'll pick it up and go from there. But um, that's the that's the schedule. <laughs> the 2017 season is just about upon us. 
uh, and I'm looking forward to it. We've been making some changes to the to the series and everything. It's really weird, by the way. Like, this will be the seventh year that I've done this, and it is a massive labor. It is um, seventh whatever. Seventh year of being a moron. Yes. Um, uh, what, what is this? Probably, on average, between about, like, three and a half and seven hours for a given preview. Probably most, like, three and a half to five 128 times now 130 every off season when you're supposed to be but i it, it becomes i think it's like the biggest labor of love i have like i was about to say doesn't this like, doesn't this the the regularity suddenly start to turn into an activity a commercial but doesn't the regularity of it bring you a sense of relief i have no yeah. rhythm like that in my job it's it's really like well i was just talking about like before and after with recruiting it's the same way like i create templates and i pull all the data i set everything up uh, it goes into motion. It it is basically my job for six months out of the out of the year, and then uh, you know when the series ends, like that spreadsheet is never reopened. Uh, it's I, I've completely moved on, and then so yeah, in mid January the next year, it's like oh hey uh, hey friend, and and we do it all over again. So it is. Um, it, 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 whatever uh, good or bad adjective there, it is uh, uh, my baby, and it starts again in a week and a half. You scared? I'm ready. I've already, I've already, I've already structured the Coastal Carolina preview. That's how ready I am. Good God, you are a machine. Very strange machine. All right, we're not going to talk about the season previews yet. No, no. We are going to talk about the top 100. Yes. So that's basically the entirety of this show. Bill, you do, you've done this how many years now? Uh, I. It started with the TCU Baylor year. What was that? Twenty. Kind of a low key. It started kind of low key, almost as just sort of a, hey, let's throw this up for fun. And then in yeah. the last couple of years, it's very much become like we have a obviously a designer worked on the. It was I think Graham over at uh, our DC office. Like it, it's set up to be a somewhat interactive design, and you guys can go through and it's bracketed off. We're gonna go through all one hundred. We're not going to talk about all one hundred, but um, I guess if you've never if you've never read one of Bill's top one hundreds. I think the the first question is the most obvious is how do you like where do you start and do you call from just your memory first or do you try and look objectively at some sort of mass sheet of results? Yeah, it's it's you start with the result. I just go team by team because um, there is um, one of the life hacks that I found is what's the name of this site? Um, jhowl.net. If you go to jhowl.net slash cf or excuse me, backslash CF, backslash CFindex.htm, you will see, he has, it's like power ratings or whatever, but basically he's got in very, very basic HTML every result ever. Um, and, he's, and he has the, like the season set up for 20, uh, for the upcoming season or the ongoing season, it's just one page with all the results. And so you can start at the top with Wake Forest, go all the way down to the bottom with Wyoming and just, I use that as my way of just like I, I look at each game and well I, I I'll probably skip a lot of the blowouts but anything that was relatively close I'll I'll think my first thought is like what do I remember about that game is it something I need to look up and then just go team by team by team and kind of I I have like a little you know text file set up where it's like games that might be top ten worthy games that might be like top thirty or forty worthy and then just good games that might make the list. Because uh, that seems to be where, like, top 40 was better than everything else. Top 50, maybe. But, like, 50 to, like, 150 or 200, they were all the same. They were all the same game. So then it becomes, like, what I've done in the last couple of years is, is try to find little bunches of games to group together to kind of categorize. Like, I think this year, like, 
Awesome Bowls was one. Uh, Wild Ass Shootouts was one. Big 12 Games was one. FCS Upsets was one. And you kind of just bunch them together because they really are at that level. You could choose any of like 100 or 150 games for those last 40, 50 spots. Um, because college football, for all its uh, imbalance overall, produces a lot of close games that, uh, that are relatively entertaining. I will say, like, the game, so the, two, the pushback I've gotten the most, the, the um, what, the probably three games, three or four games that I've gotten the most pushback for not including, one was Tennessee, Florida, which was fine. It was, I mean, it was a good game, but means a heck of a lot more to Tennessee fans than anybody else. Mm-hmm. Um, it wasn't nearly as good as last year's Tennessee Florida game, but what I mean, plus it got kind of drowned out in all the other comebacks that Tennessee had. I mentioned a couple of them. Um, I really wrote about one in section. Yeah, you, you you did the Appalachian State game. Um, so that could that could have been on the list and wasn't. Uh, Colorado Oregon was on the list. Another good game had a great catch. Came down to the wire. Easily could have made the list, but just for whatever reason didn't. I don't. I mean, it's you know it, it is subjective after all. Uh, and then Louisville, really Kentucky. Game. It was a, yeah, it was a good game. And Louisville, Kentucky. Kentucky fans uh, were probably the most appalled of any fan base uh, that, that one of their wins didn't make the list. Another good game. Another good game that maybe got kind of drowned out by the fact that Louisville kind of sucked at the end of the year. Uh, maybe I it kind of subconsciously deducted points for that. I don't know. Um, all of those games almost certainly would have made like the top 110, 20, 30, something like that. But whatever. It was my list. Uh, you can put it as high as you want on yours. So we start we start at 100 through 95 with six shootouts. Um, Idaho beating Colorado State, Pitt beating Syracuse, USF beating Memphis, Middle Tennessee beating Missouri, Oklahoma beating Texas, and then Louisiana Tech and Western Kentucky. Um, off the top of my head, I watched Red River. I watched pieces of USF and Memphis. Yep. And I think I maybe watched the highlights or a portion of the replay on Western Kentucky, Louisiana Tech, maybe on YouTube, but that's it. A lot of people probably didn't see these games. So why these shootouts? Why and why not, I don't know, Oregon and Colorado? Right. Well, I mean, one thing is like Pitt Syracuse made the list because they scored 137 damn points. That was that was basically it. Um, Pitt only, and Pitt scored 76 points in 59 plays. That's I don't think I've ever seen that before. Idaho, Colorado State was great because it was Idaho and because Colorado State really was a very good team that had no interest in actually putting up a fight because it was cold as hell and the field was slippery. And Idaho was had so much more to prove, therefore they won. Uh, USF Memphis was, um, well, I mean, you saw part of it. It, it. it was fun. It came down to the wire. A um, bunch of lead changes in the second half. Uh, Memphis got pretty far down the field, but failed in the last second. So that was, there were a lot of games like that, but I enjoyed that one. Uh, Middle Tennessee, Missouri, grumble, grumble, got to watch that one live. Uh, and it was 34, 28 at halftime. Wow. Uh, it was kind of nuts. Texas, Oklahoma, honestly, probably should have been with the big 12 group, but I, I think this one was just not quite as fun as the ones I put in that little big 12 group. Um, so you had, cause for most of the time, there were a bunch of big plays, but most of the time, OU, um, had a comfortable lead and then thought about blowing it at the very end, but didn't. And then Western Kentucky, Louisiana Tech, that almost felt too easy because it was just I, I, those two teams, they, they put together two shootouts and, and they both had tremendous offenses. And that was one where Tech really had a big lead and then tried to blow it. I don't know those were kind of indicative. Those were five indicative games or games that were indicative of blowouts and they were ones that I particularly enjoyed. Then moving forward, I, I put up three... Uh, particularly interesting FCF's upsets. Obviously, there were more than three. 
but the three most noteworthy were probably Eastern Washington beating Washington State, although that becomes less noteworthy every year that Washington State does it, I guess. Uh, North Dakota State beating Iowa, although that really probably wasn't an upset at all. Um, yeah, it's funny because I think I think the Eastern Washington game may, may be the most notable upset in a year where you didn't have a, a stunner knockout punch. Mm-hmm. You didn't have a Michigan app. But the fact that Wazoo got so much better, and how far did Eastern Washington get? They lost in the semis, right, semis, to Youngstown. Yeah, to, yeah. Um, I think it, maybe it speaks well to the parody of the sport. I'm always trying to bring things back to our messaging platform, but I think that's probably the most interesting game. It was probably the most fun to watch. When North, I think when North Dakota State beats a team like Iowa, it's fun because of the of the uniforms. It's not necessarily fun because of the football played. Why does I mean I I, I the way that North Dakota State has this recipe down, and the way that when it, when it's time to execute, they do the very little things. Like it's it's very impressive to watch uh, North Dakota State. It took an upset. It took a smoking hot James Madison team to take them down in FCS. But um, no, I mean, like I said, it probably wasn't actually an upset, but it was still a kind of a fun game in that North Dakota State has their script and they followed it, and Iowa had n- could not get out of it, even though they actually led for a good portion of the game. And then it was time to make plays. Of course, North, North Dakota State made them. The other game I included in the FCS batch was the NCAA and Kent State game. Kent State was terrible, so this was barely an upset too. But um, it, it went on and on and on and on. It went into four overtimes before NCAA and T's backup quarterback uh, threw the game-winning touchdown pass. So uh, that was a, a, a fun one too. Um, Let me ask random. you. No, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to move on. So go oh, no, I'm going to ask you about your bowl selections here. So if you jump up, we're going to kind of hop around because I just I don't yeah. want to go sequentially. Um, you start bowls at 72. Okay, yep. And you go to 66. So here are the bowl yes. games. And the reason why is it's very much uh, you, you kind of pitchfork yourself. Like it's it's the all the sort of indie rock bands and none of the yeah. none of the major label releases of bowls. Now there are bowls. Spoiler alert: there's some other yeah, bowls. Yeah, but there are more. we needed actually we needed a good bowl season to, to kind of bolster that top five. Uh, because it did feel like kind of a weaker year until we got the Orange Bowl and the Rose Bowl and the playoff final. But go ahead. This is another case, and I don't think I'm alone here, even with our hardcore listeners, where th- you may want to go and try and find these in the offseason. Uh, just for the pure – here's the difference. Other areas of this list you'll look at and say, I should watch that because it has impact. We saw this person develop, or this was a breakout moment, or this changed this so-and-so season. These are just more pure good football because they, they yeah. all of these games I'm about to read off embody the concept of exhibition, sort of consequenceless yeah. before and after. No one earned or lost a job because of these games. Sorry, I had to drink of water. Um, I was so you're looking at the list to make sure I was. I had to. I, I technically true. I was Kevin Sumlin's a lot hotter. Uh, his seat's a lot hotter for next year, but his, and that's his, a, you his know, seat's always hot. So. so that's a game I didn't see a, a stitch of. I definitely want to go back and watch. Uh, so we'll do it real fast. Stanford, uh, Stanford over North Carolina, USF over South Carolina, Northwestern beating Pitt, Utah beating Indiana, K State beating A and M, Army beating North Texas, and BC uh, beating Maryland. I saw two and a half of these games. Um, and what is it about the Sun Bowl now? The Sun Bowl yeah. is almost a guaranteed like uh, kind of combination good football, weird thing, rubbernecking a car accident viewing experience. Yeah, this was North Carolina getting Stanford. Into it. We were just talking about North Dakota State. This was a Stanford win, basically. It came down to things Stanford does to win football games, and they and they did it. Um, really, like I, I did bunch these together uh, because 
anything after 50 doesn't matter. But, uh, but honestly, like USF South Carolina was probably a little wilder. I, these were in kind of reverse chronological order here. Um, basically because I wanted to put Boston College, Maryland uh, tops among this little uh, list because it was just silly. But USF South Carolina was, was really good. Northwestern Pitt was very interesting. Kind of a point deduction for the fact that Pitt's, like all of Pitt's good players got hurt and they still almost won. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was still um, kind of back and forth and, and very much worth watching. Utah, Indiana, I, it was a two-point game, and I love that these two schools somehow played each other in football. Uh, that, it, was, it was fine. Indiana came back and looked like they were going to potentially win, and they didn't. Uh, Kansas State A&M was lots of big plays. A&M, first drive of the game looks out, and you, uh, they, they go out. They, they score a touchdown. I think they force a punt, and you think they're going to win by 35, and then they get reeled in. And Kansas State had no big play offense this year. scored on a couple of huge plays. Army North Texas was just fun and weird and silly, and Army goes out ahead and then blows it and then wins anyway. And then Boston College, Maryland, where every single play was either like a touchdown or a two-yard loss. It's a very, very strange, ridiculous game. Uh, number sixty-three. This is the one I was yelling at you about in in Slack when you when you unveiled the list. Uh, Georgia uh, twenty-seven, Kentucky twenty-four. Uh, just go ahead and sell everybody, myself included, on this on this game. This is what another one. And where you have I'm, it, like, I'm sorry, and you have it paired with Georgia beating Missouri as well. Yeah, twenty-eight, twenty-seven. Well, Georgia Missouri. I was I mean, that's another. I, I think there were two Missouri games on this list, and I got to watch them both. I got to watch Missouri lose both of them in person, but. Um, that, I mean, that was Georgia, Missouri was just fun. I mean, it was back and forth. Mizzou hit on a bunch of big plays in the first half. Georgia made a couple of adjustments. Mizzou had about three different opportunities to to put the dagger uh, in and and just couldn't. And they you know they threw an interception in the end zone. And then Georgia scores on fourth and ten with like a minute and a half left. And uh, yada yada. That was just I mean that was a good football game that could have probably been a little higher in the end. I ended up bunching it together with the other Georgia win. Um, there's a that feeling was, I mean, around the SEC, unless you were a Georgia fan or you were playing Georgia that week, that Georgia lost a lot of attention this year. I think after they got blown out by Ole Miss, yeah, they got they got blown out by Ole Miss in like week three, four. Uh, pretty quickly after the Missouri game, I think Missouri was week three, so yeah, probably four or five. Kind of set the tone for what they were going to be and, and the problems that they had, and then the attention shifted dramatically downward, which is the first time you could say that about Georgia in a while, like. A different, a different, not, I was going to use Wisconsin as context, but no, Wisconsin is secretly good and you don't watch them. I think Georgia may have been secretly bad, but you didn't watch them. It's just very strange for Georgia this year. So I think that's what started when I saw the, when I saw the Georgia Kentucky final, but your list is, I think we should hit on this. It's not games relative to the greater picture. It's not necessarily like, you don't, sometimes it is points. But you don't exactly. It's it's not a it's not a mandatory requirement that games be affecting the larger picture at all times. Right. That's why you like, have that's how Texas State Ohio ended up in the top twenty because that was just an amazing football game. It right. had nothing to do with anything. But no, I mean it, it, it is bonus points. The top five games were all pretty consequential, uh, and then number six honestly was Georgia Tennessee that probably could have been number one on sheer holy crap amazing, but it didn't end up like. The context of Georgia falling apart for a little bit, Tennessee eventually falling apart for a little bit, that may, maybe that bumped it down um, just because. So it's a way to get higher or lower, but the quality of the game and just the fun of the game mattered. And Kentucky-Georgia also had the stakes of everybody suddenly realizing, wait, Kentucky's pretty good. They might win the East. And then Georgia going out and snuffing that out with a good, basically two good quarters 
in the, the first and the and the fourth. And um, no, I, I mean it was just a, it was a neat football game to watch. Um, you know, both teams ran relatively well. They ran a lot, so it wasn't that long a game. I don't believe, which always helps. But no, it was just a, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed watching the game. Number fifty-two. Um, I really like this edition. It was from September 17th, Washington beating Arizona 35-28. I was out on the West Coast working on that Pac-12 replay story when this happened. But that's, that's all the, just as a quick aside, the fun thing about this list for me is I'm so often not in front of a bank of televisions that when I see particular games on this list, I have a very vivid memory of them. Even a lot of times I'm listening on a radio feed. I use that TuneIn app a lot because I'm always in, you know, you name it, just strange situations, coming or going from a stadium, without a television. Um, this Washington-Arizona game ended the the, day, the slate of Pac-12 that day, and that's not really why I like it being on the list, but it was a fun game to watch. But this game was inappropriately used for the next couple of weeks by people who did not want to see Washington in the playoff. Right. They only beat Arizona by seven was a, was a thing for a while, especially as Arizona got worse and worse. Yeah, and... I, I always we're so obsessed with kind of this like this this transitive property line of thinking where uh, teams don't get better or worse or don't have good and bad weeks. Yeah. Um, and that was that was costing Washington. Arizona was a still a relatively decent competitive team in September. Uh, they got a couple of injuries and, and just kind of generally fell apart because they were thin and, and not very not all that good. They kind of used up all their tricks and they started to fade pretty dramatically. Uh, but the team that the, the team they were in November had nothing to do with the fact that they played well and they beat a Washington team that was clearly good or they, they almost beat, I should say, a Washington team that was clearly good and, and would go on to smoke Stanford and Oregon and all that. Uh, it was just uh, ga- games are one off occurrences. And uh, this one was just weird and fun. I want to read you just a series of, of results starting at number 49. NC State 10, Notre Dame 3. Hurricane asterisk. Duke, 38. Notre Dame, 35. (laughs) I was going to try and do this without laughing. Navy, 28. Notre Dame, 27. Virginia Tech, 34. Notre Dame, 31. My personal favorite. Texas, 50. Notre Dame, 47. Um, I know why Notre Dame enjoyed a, let's just say, a comforting shoulder rub in the S&P. Because of this right here, I understand yeah. that. Um, but this, for the pride of the fan base and the naturally inflated expectations because of that Notre Dame culture, this is a walk through hell. <laughs> and we we really enjoy making fun of Notre Dame because we have to deal with Notre Dame just like everyone else does. This is a walk through hell. I've, uh, I haven't yeah. really appreciated how <laughs> maddening this must have been. As for so the, um, the so I do that second order win thing. Like each game in the stat profiles, you get a win expectancy. Like based on these stats of this game, you would have won X percent of the time. And so technically, if it was ninety nine percent, then um, you know if it, if your if your win expectancy was ninety nine percent, then one percent of the time you would lose that game. And and so it's all improbable results are still possible, but um, usually at the end of the season, you're within about a game or game and a half. Like if you were to just, the second order wins are basically like if you had a 20% win expectancy, that's 0.2 wins. 
So most of the t- teams in the end are within about a game or game and a half. Um, win expectancy said that Notre Dame probably should have gone about seven and five this year. And um, if you go seven and five against a schedule that includes per S and P, the number what nine, 17, 14, 23, 25 and 36 teams, then that's, that's a top 25 or 30 performance right there. And I don't think anybody would disagree with that, but they figured out some creative ass ways to lose football games this year. Uh, ways that probably aren't sustainable that probably don't mean anything for the future. And, and it stinks by the way, cause I, for Athlon again this year, I wrote a thing last year about teams on the rise, teams that might be better than you think they're going to be. Mm-hmm. And like Washington was the headliner. That was great. Well, that turned out great for me. Notre Dame's going to be on the damn list next year. And it's already kind of ticking me off. Um, because these Why? stupid numbers say what they say. That's okay. Is it just because of the brand? Well, yes, because because a national writer uh, of any sort saying, "Hey, I think Notre Dame's going to be pretty good decent next year." Notre there, Dame. Nothing back. That's what there was. Um, I went back before SB Nation when I was doing stuff for Football Outsiders. We had like a weekly thing with ESPN Insider that I would write occasionally, and one of them was. One of the things that I ended up writing about was like, I think Terrell Pryor is probably better than you think he is. Uh, this was like when he was a sophomore or something like that, uh, when, it, when it was still kind of unclear if he was actually a good quarterback or not. I said, you know, the, I, I use numbers I could pretty clearly state that he really is good. And of course, like the, all the co- responses, all the comments and the awful comment threads at uh, ESPN were basically typical ESPN, uh, you know, propping up the, the, the blue bloods and all that. I'm like, what motivation do I have? to prop up Ohio State or Notre Dame or whatever. but it, So it sucks. I, I, I would much prefer – clicks, bruh. I, I assume Miami will also be on the list, which is at least a little more fun because they yeah. – uh, well, because they're Miami. But, um, yeah, so teams on the rise. And Notre I, Dame. Let me say this. I think I've already said it on the show. Texas beating Notre Dame was probably my favorite game of the year. Not because I think it was the best game. Not because I think it was the most fun game. I think there were probably more fun games I saw, even in person. Uh, and I kind of, I think actually I kind of caught a bad hand this year. But I have a, a. This is what this list is about, and this is why we developed a community that we do. I just have a great memory of watching that game and enjoying every second of it. Yeah, I remember where I was. It was it was kind of getting late in the Central Time Zone. Um, it was really late on the East Coast, I think, as this thing was winding down. It was a Sunday night. Um. I was watching on a tablet with earbuds on because my wife was asleep and I was sitting there drinking a beer and just like had my phone in the other hand so I could interact with you guys and the the larger sort of community and people on Twitter. Every drive was fun. It's yeah. not because it was high scoring or low scoring. It, it just, it, it had a great feeling. It doesn't matter to me a stitch that these two teams bottomed out this year. I don't think that matters at all and I don't think it should matter. I had a blast watching it. It was two of the, the, the great brands of college football, like we like to say. And if it was me, I probably would have put the game higher, although I definitely understand the context with which when you go back and look at the season, um, in hindsight, I think it definitely belongs in this group. Yeah, although, I mean, although that, the was, that was another... of being in the same, <laughs> the same neighborhood as NC State is a little strange. That, yeah, that was another grouping thing. On its own, it probably would have been somewhere between like 20 and 40 or 20 and 30 even. But again, it's I, creative liberties here, especially like I, I take the top 10 very seriously. Uh, after that, no, it's it's a kind of about just bunching and everything. But no, that, that was a fun game. It did lose maybe a little bit of luster simply because um, 
it didn't mean what everybody thought it meant at the time, but that's not that, that ga- that's not that game's fault. Um, and on its own, it was just a super fun game of college football. But at the same time, the games ahead of it on the list were also super fun. So I don't feel too bad about it. This Big 12 cluster is impressive, starting at 38. It goes from 38 to 31. Um, it's all the usual suspects. Oklahoma beating TCU combined 98 points. Um, Oklahoma State, Iowa State, I didn't watch a bit of that. Um, Oklahoma State, K-State, I don't think I saw that either. These are definitely some also-ran performances. A lot more people watched K-State in Texas. That was as the Texas free fall started. Then obviously it finishes up at 31 with the Kansas upset of Texas that most people, you always talk around, talk about the, the, the kind of flip-around community of everyone rushes from one thing to another. I, that's probably the, I, I don't think that ESPN has the ability to measure ratings this way, but that was the highest rated five minutes of a, te- of a right. Kansas game that it may have ever happened, including the freaking Orange Bowl. Yeah, um, yeah. not all of these were shootouts. There are a ton of shootouts on here, and one actually moved ahead because it was too ridiculous. But, um, no, you had a couple – you had that weird-ass T- uh, TCU-Kansas game yeah. where Kansas – where TCU just – did like every bounce went against TCU and Kansas did just enough to make you think, uh, are they going to are they gonna do this? And then they missed like three field goals in the fourth quarter. But, um, uh, yeah, I mean, just the, the Big 12 is – it didn't have a national title contender this year. Oklahoma actually played well enough down the stretch that they almost kind of closed a lot of the gap. And if you had like a plus one after – uh, the all the bowls and everything, they would have probably ended up. What did they end up in the in the polls? Like fourth or fifth or something? They would have come pretty close. But um, but still, they had like extreme parity here uh, with Oklahoma State, a, another team that would probably eventually kind of stood out a little bit. But for the most of the year, they were just they were Oklahoma State was West Virginia was Kansas State was Texas was TCU was Baylor. Uh, all of them had their peaks and valleys, but they were all. Uh, relatively similar teams, and that means you get a bunch of close games. Like just about every week, on average, we had some. Okay, you know, at, the, at worst, at, hey, it's the fourth quarter, and this game could get weird. So flip over. Um, if our planet was breaking apart, and I had to shoot a Big Twelve game into space to better preserve the context of what that fabulous conference is for other alien cultures to understand one day, I think I would put Oklahoma State, Texas Tech, in, in the in the capsule and shoot that into space. Okay. I think that is – I don't know if missed extra point is necessarily quintessential Big 12, <laughs> but everything else in that game was. Blown leads, terrible secondary, um, insane passing games. I, I, feel like, I feel like if you had to pull one from this year, um, I think it embodies the Big 12 the most. Yeah, that was um, – yeah, because you had Iowa State blowing a couple leads early, and Oklahoma State was actually the beneficiary of one of those, and they blew the lead this time. And – I think maybe the the player in the country we don't talk enough about is as James Washington at OSU, um, the the old Chris Carter. All he does is catch touchdowns lines. It's like Washington only catches eighty two yard touchdowns, um, and he had a couple of really long touchdowns in this game, I believe. And yeah, uh, Tech came all the way back. They got to within a touchdown. They scored with under two minutes left. All they had to do was kick the extra point. Uh, it did not go through the uprights. I think I think Oklahoma State in general is just under recognized as I mean everybody wants to make a joke like Texas Tech is quintessential Big Twelve. I feel like Oklahoma State. If you had to if you had to show someone the Big Twelve, I think you show like this year's Oklahoma State team. I think that's the most complete picture you can give for better and for worse of what this conference represents. And I don't mean that as a slight. I really don't. 
No, I mean, they were a top 25 caliber team. I think they ended up a little overrated. They uh, they ended up in the top 15, right? Um, and that whole, well, we didn't really lose to Central Michigan thing, like, kind of actually seemed to take root a little bit, uh, which, by you know, if that's the case, can we go ahead and uh, – th- this Missouri fan would go ahead and like to – you know, I'd like to switch that result of that 1995th down game that gave Colorado the national title. Let's let's go ahead and give Georgia Tech the, all, <laughs> the outright title if we're doing that. But um, – but no, like they, they 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 played Baylor at the wrong time. They played Baylor when Baylor was actually good, and they lost that game. They lost by the hilarious hail mary hook and ladder against Central Michigan. Uh, they got thumped by Oklahoma because they played Oklahoma at the wrong time. If they if they if you flip, if they play at Oklahoma in September and at Baylor in December, they might go eleven and one, which would make that whole well we really didn't lose the Central Michigan thing very interesting. But regardless, they barely beat a lot of only decent teams, too. And so they ended up 22nd in S&P, um, which feels about right to me, honestly. I'm going to skip Powder River for a second um, and talk about another game that I wrote about for your for the list. Number 28, uh, Florida 16, LSU 10, November 19th. I was there. Um, this is what I wrote. It's pretty short, so I'll just read it. Uh, all of the following is true. Number one, less, LSU fired Les Miles because and in the immediate wake of Late game mismanagement and poor offensive play that cost the Tigers key games. Two, LSU and interim head coach Ed Ogeron fought against the SEC in Florida in one of the most public internal conference battles in decades just to make sure that they could play Florida. Three, LSU won the battle and the league rescheduled its road game versus Florida to Baton Rouge. Four, LSU lost to Florida after poor offensive play and a botched potential game-winning play as time expired. Five, LSU hired Ogeron two weeks later. I'm still, honestly, I'm still... I'm still a little surprised by that. Like, by not, you know, so like Texas had every right. To, they had the out for firing Charlie Strong after Kansas, and they didn't do it. And both Strong and Texas ended up just fine. But Texas and LSU both like there were results that happened that it, it felt like okay, well, there you go. There's your answer. So now go ahead and move forward. Texas didn't fire Strong after Kansas, and then did a week later. But. Um, the fact that Ogeron got that job, despite despite the fact that when you know they when he was the head coach, they played a couple more teams with really good defenses, couldn't move the ball at all against them. Um, he he didn't actually rectify the thing that that Miles uh, was so so bad at at times, and uh, and he got the job anyway. That was that was a surprise. Now I th- I like his coordinator hires. It could work out great. Um, yeah, if, I mean, you're handing a college football team with with uh, with Louisiana talent, Matt Canada and Dave Aranda. Yeah, it doesn't. Yeah, no. I mean, like the head coach becomes a little less important. Right. Yeah, it could all work out great. So I'm not saying it's like a bad hire or a failed hire. It was just surprising. I I didn't think when that game ended, especially the way it did. I thought, well, he he gave it his shot. But yeah. No, I mean, I was standing like Tom there. Herman or something. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I was standing there on the sideline on the LSU sideline as time expired as, as they went down for the for the drive, um, seventy eighty yard drive that ends with basically uh, miscommunication, and that that's this, that, I can't emphasize this enough. This was exactly why they fired Miles. Yeah, not because of the one gaffe in the Auburn game, but because of years of that. Years yep. of that. Remember the spike in 2009 against Ole Miss? Um, and they miscommunicate a handoff, they, uh, like a power run play, essentially, to end the game. And Darius Geis goes the wrong way. And it was just enough time for Florida to close and for him not to score the touchdown to win the game. So, or to tie the game, I guess. Yeah. 
um, it was a sense of inevitability that LSU would be moving on from Orgeron in the locker room, in the post-game talk radio for the next two days that I was in Louisiana. It was, it felt like uh, there was absolutely no way he was going to get the job. And now why he does and how he ends up and the fact that he, whether or not he's successful from here on out, those are all external factors away from this game. But the way this game exists in a bubble now is just so fascinating to me. Um, it wasn't necessarily the most fun to watch. LSU was the, – the screwed up thing is for 10 points, they were really dominant on offense. They just had terrible turnovers. This is a, this is a quintessential, Bill. If, if you have to die and I have to take up your teachings, right, at the Bill C. Academy of, of football learning, um, I would hand this out as like a, a worksheet for people who think that total yardage matters and that drive efficiency doesn't. Because this was an LSU team that was able to get up and down the field, and then as soon as they crossed the opponent's 30, it was settling for a field goal, missing a field goal, turning the ball over. They had so many opportunities to win this game and cement Ed Ogeron's job. It's just amazing. This should have lost him the job. It absolutely should have. Yeah, no, they – so – Win expectancy, we were just talking about win expectancy for a given game. Florida's win expectancy in this game was 20%. Um, the, both teams created five scoring opportunities. On average, with five scoring opportunities, you're going to end up with between 21 and 24 points. Both teams left a ton of points on the table. Uh, Florida's offense barely averaged five yards of play. They didn't do very much at all, and they won the game because LSU, as you said, settled for field goals, missed field goals, had that terrible uh, turnover on downs at the end. is and, and then Florida also had some turnovers luck. So, yeah, it took a lot. I want to say uh, the guys had a fumble early and maybe in the second quarter of that game. Um, and I, it was in Florida territory. So this is a game that I harp on, not just because of the Ed Orgeron situation. This is a game that wins Florida, the, the SEC East. This is a game that, that yeah. gives Jim McElwain a lot of equity. As you flash forward now as we record this on January the 26th, uh, Florida is not what it should be in recruiting right now, and that's causing a, a healthy amount of anxiety. But what do you do? Your coach won, the, won his division twice. Now he got rolled by Alabama, but it's kind of hard to argue against that. He, this was the game that won them the division. If they don't win this game, then you have real identifiable arguments against McIlwain immediately going into 2017. This this game just it cannot be overstated how much this changed the course of a lot of people's lives. I don't think it got Jeff Collins a Temple job, but it did make him a red-hot candidate, especially as a defensive coordinator. You have to have something extra in the job market these days, as we know. Um, sure. I could talk about this game for an entire podcast. Yeah, and I think that's why, because this wasn't the most fun-to-watch game, but it just no. it, it created a lot. Well, uh, it, it, it's funny. It you asked me, like, what, hey, what games do you want to write about? I wrote about App State and Tennessee way back. I don't know. What was that game in the 60s on this list? I picked this game. I was at this game. I was not at the App State game. Um, I don't know where I was that week. It was another one. I know that I was listening on the radio. But my interest almost is, I, like I said, I love a Texas-Notre Dame, right? Uh, I love a Clemson-Alabama or a Rose Bowl, whatever. But these weird, weird games, man, this is my home. I live in this <laughs> because the circumstances outside of the play – on the field, this this ugly, ruddy 16-10 to 10 game and, like, this sort of weirdly boring upset progress that App State had going. I know, like, it's heresy. You're an App State fan. You're losing your mind against Tennessee. But it's the effect that it creates that reverberates in so many other corners of college football. This was a game that – I mean, we haven't even talked about the, the – 
you know what the political implications of this game were? Because of yeah. everything that went on with the athletic directors, with Greg Sankey. They changed SEC legislation uh, three weeks ago because of this game. <laughs> and I know it wasn't the most fun to watch, but, I mean, man, that's, this, is, this is my wheelhouse. This is where I live. This was the so, first game I thought about writing about. So LSU, uh, in their eight wins, uh, averaged 38 points per game. In their four losses, they scored a combined 37 points. Um, if you had a top 10 defense per S&P Plus, you beat LSU. If you did not, you got smoked by LSU. It, there, there was, that was the line. Uh, it, was, it was a staggering thing. Like, if you had elite-level defensive talent, LSU couldn't – had no answers. I mean, in, in, the, in their four losses, LSU allowed, like, 15, 16 points a game. And they, they lost those four games because they just – if they couldn't just out-muscle you – they, they had nothing. And honestly, I think I like the Canada hire better than I would have liked the Lane Kiffin hire. I think that actually might that, – that there might be an extra little streak of creativity in here uh, that can help them kind of move past this uh, little – this mental roadblock they seem to have created for themselves. This was an awesome football team this year. But against elite defenses, they just – some combination of confidence and and you know being all on the same page and you know, recent history and all these things managed to trip them up every single time. It was just strange, strange year, strange year. Um, games that lose appeal or or acclaim uh, unfairly. It happens a lot of different ways. Arkansas thirty four, Ole Miss thirty. Game number twenty one on the list. And we can jump backwards if you want. I skipped over Ohio State and Penn State, but I feel like that's been talked about a lot. So it was Arkansas Ole Miss game. <clears throat> Saturday night game. Tennessee-Bama was the flagship game that day, I know, because I was there. Um, I don't even think this was the marquee Saturday night game for the SEC. But this ends up being yet another incredibly bizarre Arkansas Ole Miss finish. Obviously, we know about last year. But, you know, I went to Ole Miss. I remember the seven-overtime game. Like, Arkansas Ole Miss games are just weird. I remember the the non-call offensive pass interference in the first Houston nut Bobby Petrino game. Like these, this is just a, this is a strange, strange, I don't know. I wouldn't call it a rivalry, but this series just produces really, God, really I'm going to call it a rivalry because I think we're stupid about the way we use that word. It's a rivalry. Anyway, go ahead. Okay. Well, why? No, I mean, I'm open to it. it, it I'll tell you this. It, it should be a rivalry. If you're, if you're determining quality of games by that and yeah. rivalry is a rivalry is a, uh, you know, a, some sort of verification, yeah, then it's a so rivalry. This, this is a screw you to Alabama fans. Okay, so here's the <laughs> definition of rivalry. Okay. A competition for the same objective or for superiority in the same field. So I got I got yelled at like for a, a week straight by Alabama fans because in the A&M Alabama preview, I called it the A&M Alabama rivalry because technically anything in a conference where you are playing for the same goals is a rivalry. Some are better than others. Some are way better than others. But technically, there is it, that you are conference rivals. You are right. It, it fits. Uh, okay, I'm fine with that. Therefore, if you've de- if you've if you're conference rivals to begin with, and then you've played a bunch of crazy games with Maddie, go lay down. We're talking about Arkansas. Sorry. Um, where you know if I, I think rival. If you look at a game on the schedule and go, oh, okay, I know what's coming there. You know, this is going to be crazy. It's a yeah. rivalry. It yeah. just is. We, we we set the bar too high there, and they they have a rivalry anyway. The end. I have no idea if Brandon Allen is going to 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 really amount to be like a quality Austin. senior quarterback next year. Austin Allen. Austin Allen, sorry, an Allen. Um, I have no idea what Ar- what Arkansas's defense is going to look like under Paul Rhodes. 
I have no idea if Ole Miss is going to be a functional football program. <laughs> like, but if I had to pick games to like pencil into watch in 2017, just just put Arkansas and Ole Miss yeah. on there. Yeah. Um, it's funny because the next game on the list, number 20, is Arkansas 41, TCU 38 from way back in week two. Great game, awesome game. Nobody, in terms of the context, again, no one would talk about that. They talk about Arkansas and Ole Miss, and they won't even talk about that game because of what happened last year. Yeah. Um, so the things I remember from this game, um, just the Chad Kelly run, I guess. I mean, that's the one thing, right? Was, yeah, because I mean, it was. It, we were conditioned to assume absolute silliness here. Um, because of what happened the year before and because it was a crazy game. Arkansas was up big, which, you know, go figure, they blew a lead. That never happened in 2016. But, you know, the Ole Miss, they they scored. It started to go back and forth. Uh, They took the lead again with two minutes left, and and the immediate thought there was, okay, well, we've got at least two more scores in this game. And Chad Kelly, crazy Chad Kelly, who I'm going to miss dearly, um, not only decides to scramble on fourth and sixteen but almost gets it and at the mm-hmm. last second tries to uh, blow up a defender about two yards short of the sticks and the ball goes flying in the opposite direction and Arkansas wins. Like it was just, uh, yeah, the, Chad Kelly was capable of, moment, of creating surreal moments out of just about anything uh, for better and worse. Uh, and yeah, you put him in an Arkansas game and, and the world is bound to explode a little bit. Have you gotten any grief about number 11? Uh, again, I'm skipping around. We can jump back if you want to about this. So you have that's pretty high. I was actually trying to scan to see what's your highest mid major on mid major game, but then I also wanted to ask you about this: Central Michigan 30, Oklahoma State 27 from September 10th. Obviously, the week two <laughs> replay debacle. Um, you have it at number 11. Yeah. Well, CMU fans were mad because it should have been top five, or, or wow. it should have been number one, according to CMU fans. No. Uh, Oklahoma State fans were mad because it shouldn't have counted at all. It, it wasn't an official game because you know. The last play shouldn't have counted. And again, it shouldn't have. They, they screwed up, and mm-hmm. it shouldn't have counted. Um, but OSU had a fun comeback, and then I mean, it was a Hail Mary hook and ladder. I, I'm not going to pretend like there was much beyond that. So basically, it could have been a top five. They got a point deduction for, I guess, for not counting or whatever and, and not having really any impact on anything down the stretch. But it was absolutely – it was actually when I, when I think – I think when I initially drew up the list, it was like number eight. Uh, and then I ended up bumping a couple others uh, above it in the end. It was an amazing freaking play. That was – those are for, for – for all the reasons why Twitter is absolutely terrible and, and just a soul-sucking experience, moments like this are why Twitter is still amazing sometimes. It was so much fun to – like, all right, well, everybody head over to whatever the hell channel this is on, Fox Sports, whatever, because mm-hmm. – uh, Central Mission is going to try a Hail Mary, and oh, my God, oh, my God. Oh, and then it's just, you know, the timeline is just, uh, you know, sentence fragments for, like, the next 45 seconds. I do want to go backwards now because as we were talking about uh, a game known for basically a single play, the gif of uh, Iowa and Michigan that we included on this list has just been playing on my computer. <laughs> uh, I didn't get to see this live. I don't know what I was doing, but my God. Uh, this is this is sort of the most interesting and violent and terrifying play that we may have produced in college football in years. <laughs> um, if you if you if you pull it up, obviously if you're driving, you can't see it right now. But uh, go ahead and pull it up. It's at number fourteen. That's the Iowa upset of Michigan. In terms of upset definition of upset this year, um, and a, a a fundamentally uh, less talented team 
utilizing a series of bizarre circumstances to beat a inarguably more talented team. But uh, punter uh, Ron Caluzzi, he basically he takes a high snap. It looks like he was already set for the fake, right? Yeah, it yeah, wasn't yeah, just yeah. the high snap. I think I can tell. I, I can tell by the way the upbacks move out. Um, he then, I guess you could say, fakes right, which is a really dumbass move because it's not like he's got the legs to suddenly, you know. But he does. He fake. He, he fakes right. He cuts left. He then starts running upfield. He has kind of a clear shot. Um, I, I don't. Think, yeah, I think the the fake right was definitely part of it too because he's a okay. rugby guy. They, he wanted everybody going in the opposite direction. Yeah, and, um, it, and, and again, all the guy didn't buy it, and the, the one yeah. guy who didn't buy it, he blew up the play. Only the punter had already started to fall to the ground, just, and yeah, he accidentally gets called for targeting. So the three, yeah. So the three defenders close are the the three uh, <laughs> the three Iowa players closest to. This is a very hard play to describe. They all fake right as well. So it looked like it. it basically, it's like like a counter off. Yeah. It's sort it of like a counter in a zone, like think zone block counter play. Um, and then he falls down. But as he's falling down, it's a full. I, I always, I don't know if it's like a family term, but ass over tea kettle. He's so he's he goes head first down, rolls up on his butt. But as his head is coming up, he gets speared by the Michigan defender, and so that's targeting. Yes. Yes, that is correct. This is the um, best college football thing ever. <laughs> this week, just until next week. But I, I don't know if you can put again. I'm uh, it, uh, so the world's blowing up again, and we got to shoot Iowa into space and explain Iowa to the alien cultures that will find the fragments of our charred society. I think this is it. Either yeah, that, yeah, or I mean, a bunch of those fans that I met super drunk when they were down four touchdowns to Stanford. <laughs> They were drunk on me. I, I mean, it was like Iowa has actually, you know, they've been a top 30, 40 caliber team each of the last two years, and I feel bad for the way their seasons have ended. You don't um, have to apologize for Iowa. But it, it really, this was all the, there's kind of a good stereotype of a hard-nosed team that, that wins close games, and then there's the bumbling stereotype that uh, was definitely exemplified by this play. I'm trying to think, this play, I just pulled up the play-by-play. Play. It didn't actually really... It didn't really matter. So it happened, what, second quarter, I think, of scoreless game. Uh, in the play-by-play, in the play, it goes down as Ron Caluzzi rushed left for loss of five yards to Iowa 31. It uh, doesn't quite indicate things that were going on there. But a targeting foul was uh, called, and it pushes uh, Michigan from the 31 to the 46 when they start their next drive. Uh, Michigan stalls at the 8. Uh, so you can't simply say that, well, they would have advanced into the end zone had they not gotten the penalty. But it, it might have cost them a touchdown in a game they lost by one. Um, so technically it mattered. But, yeah, this is just – this was the, probably the best indicator of just how freaking random college football is. Like I always say, like if they play a best of seven, Michigan wins, obviously. They win in five or six games. Six times. Right. And and – they, but they don't. It, it's one game series. Every every Saturday is a one game series, and and the crazy result sometimes happens. Where do you want to start on the top ten? We could we could really dive in and devote time to any one of these games. I think it's an excellent top ten. By the way, we'll do it real fast. Uh, yes. We can come back and figure out what we want to do. Number ten from September seventeenth, Alabama forty eight, Ole Miss forty three. Number nine from October fifteenth, Ohio State thirty, Wisconsin twenty three. Number eight from October eight. Texas A&M, 45. Tennessee, 38. Number 7 from November 12th, Pitt, 43. Clemson, 42. 
Number six from October 1st, Georgia 34. Or I'm sorry, Tennessee 34, Georgia 31. Number we'll, five. We'll stop those. Those five. You do those? Do those okay. Yeah. okay. All right. Um, man, if I, it's hard to pick a favorite. Yeah, no, I, I was actually uh, – Alabama Ole Miss was one of the games I ended up bumping ahead of Central Michigan and Oklahoma State just because it was one of those games like it was early, Ole Miss cratered, Alabama wasn't really touched again in the regular season. Um, I think we kind of forgot how hilariously ridiculous this game was. So, yeah, I, I listed it out. So Ole Miss goes up 24-3, to and Alabama responds with a 45-6 to run. Um, That'll happen. There were four touchdowns in 13 plays in the second quarter. Uh, there were what either three or four return touchdowns. Alabama, yeah, three three fumble return touchdowns and an 85-yard punt return. Um, and then with two minutes left, I think these are the, always the underrated plays that we forget, like the the, the plays that easily could have gone completely changed the game, like like um, uh, like Oklahoma fumbling near the end of the Texas game but falling on it. Um, that could have created a crazy sudden 47-45 Texas win. Well, with two minutes left. Uh, Bo Scarborough fumbles. Um, they end up being able to run out of the clock because they 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 recovered it. They converted a third and one. They ran out of the clock. They won the game. But that could have that could have flipped so much. Now they would have still won the West. They probably they would have still made the playoffs. So it's not like you can say that you know it would have changed the playoff like like the like the Ole Miss Arkansas game may have last year. But uh, it, it was that close to flipping the other direction. And then you can, if you're an old, a wistful old Miss fan, you can start thinking, you know, well, if they'd won that game where they've gotten the extra juice to not lose these games and yada, yada. But um, no, a game with runs of 24 to three and 45, six uh, involving a national title runner up. I, that's, that, that, that's a, that's a top 10 game right there. Um, possibly in I don't know if I would even say any other year. I still might make an argument. If you're talking about just, a, just the game itself, mm-hmm. and I know it's mainly for the ending, yeah. I, would have a, I think I would put Tennessee and Georgia in my yeah. top three. Yeah. I, I felt mean, weird let's about th- not doing that. I, I had to talk myself football. into that question. Okay. All right. Well, I, I know, and I'm fine with it, Six, but in terms of, the, of endings, I don't yeah. know if there are any greater. No. No, the only the only objection I have is calling that Georgia touchdown a hail mary. Alex called it a hail mary. We saw that a lot. A hail, I mean, a hail mary is like ten guys in a short space. All no, the gift. The, I, the, I can tell you right now that a coach would not call it a, a hail mary yeah. just from the gift because there's um, uh, a hail mary. And I was going to say there there's route integrity is what I was about to say. So you're still <laughs> guys are still structured on their breaks. Also, the defenders are in man. That that isn't going to happen yeah. on a hail mary. Like you said, a hail mary. I think. Really starts with fifty or more, even though it's forty-seven. So it seems semantic, but it's a bunching in the end zone, and it's very much a jump ball. Um, yeah. And now, now they position some defenders and even wideouts at like the five or ten to try and undercut it. But right. I think no, this was a this was just a a really really. I mean, that looks just, like a just a go route, yeah. Yeah, I was gonna say a go and maybe a flag or a, or a, a really deep cross, maybe on the other side. But no, yeah. so not a hail mary. Glad we we settled that. <laughs> then Sorry, Josh Dobbs, hail mary. <laughs> Hail Mary. Yeah. No, yeah, the ending, I, I think, I don't, I, I spent a lot, I watched a lot of that game. I was very frustrated with that game because I was frustrated with Tennessee. I was frustrated with Georgia. Um, like, so I, maybe that kind of penalized it a little bit because I remember being really annoyed for a good portion of the game because it was just like both teams should be, both teams should have won this game. Why, why is this still a game? Neither team, like they both just bumbled just enough. Um, but that ending, there's no way to, 
two two forty whatever yard touchdowns in ten seconds. That that doesn't happen, and yeah. it did. So, number five through number one. Yeah. Number five, October first, Clemson forty two, Louisville thirty six. Number four, that was the same day as Georgia, um, Tennessee. Oh, that's right. Uh, number four, December thirtieth, Florida State thirty three, Michigan thirty two. Number three, November 26, Ohio State 30, Michigan 27. Number two, from January 2nd, a minor affair called the Rose Bowl, USC 52, Penn State 49. And number one, the national championship, Clemson 35, Alabama 31. Um, I think I would have put the Rose Bowl in front. I, I, yeah. I, I've, I gotten, think- um, I've gotten a lot – Every year, I think the number one game kind of stands out. Like, I know what the number one game is going to be. Um, this one, I went back and forth a ton. Because, like, in terms of pure 60 minutes, USC Penn State was better. Uh, you know, yeah. Alabama Clemson, the two middle quarters lasted, I don't know, six and a half hours. Um, and and there was a lot of – I don't want to penalize it because it didn't have as many points, but it just it, – the, the commercials and everything else, that it just – it slogged for a, a good peer, uh, portion of the game. But all I can really say about the national title game is um, because of the stakes, like my heart rate over the last probably seven, eight minutes of that game was uh, was higher than it was at any point for any other game. Like yeah. USC Penn State, I just enjoyed. It was just fun. Yeah. yeah. I didn't really ha- I didn't have a stake in the outcome. It was just a, it was so much fun to watch those teams go back and forth. And it was in the pretty locale of the, you know, college football's Mecca. Uh, it was just a great game. But like I, I, the, the tension involved in it actually being the national title game and having all the fireworks that happened in the last two or three minutes. That was that was it for me. That's why I put a number one. But you could number two had a better case for number one than I think any other year that I've done this countdown. I, I honestly, if I had to make this list, uh, I think a viable number one would have been number one, two, or three. So then the national championship, the Rose Bowl, and then the big game, and then also I think I would have included maybe just as one A honorable mentions, um, Clemson, Louisville, and Georgia, Tennessee. I do think circumstances dictate when you talk about. A number one, so not just the pure enjoyability. Um, Clemson Louisville was was fun. It was awesome. It was video gamey, and it's a cliche to say that because of mobile quarterbacks might even be borderline racist. But there was a fluidity about watching those two quarterbacks play, and the way that ESPN shot the game. That was the game yeah. that I wrote about. The way it felt, um, we got to see an upstart relative to the national title picture. Clemson had just been there as an upstart, and then you have this Louisville team who at the time we thought was going to be unbeatable. You know, they had trounced Florida State. Um, it was a great game, a great atmosphere, great play on both sides. Um, both offense and defense, too. Like, yeah. the defenses, it was 78 points, but, like, for half of the game, the defense is dominated. I think it was fun because you would see call and response, big play from yeah. one of those quarterbacks, and then a corresponding answer schematically from one of those defenses. And then and then the quarterbacks and the offenses would respond and break something open. Um, that's a game I want to go back and rewatch in its entirety. I only saw portions of the big game as well, so I definitely want to watch that. I was somewhere. I don't remember where. Um, oh, I was doing the Willie Taggart story. Um, Michigan-Ohio State, I think been, that was another game that the fourth quarter got crazy. Overtime was amazing, but um, it just, like – 
you, the, where big games get the bonus points is just that even even if there's a slog for a period of time and where you know there there's just a few too many punts and and you kind of starting yeah. to lose interest because it is a big game and because it's got right. the big game treatment and you know what's at stake. Here. A lot of so, a lot of get up to pee moments. In fact, I can tell you this: <laughs> when I came home from the Tagger piece, I was packing up to move back into our house. We renovated our house this year, and we were in an apartment, and I was by myself, like packing boxes during the day and put the game on a laptop two or three different times because I was like, oh, I really got to watch this game, I really got to watch this game. And all three times ended up getting distracted and turning it off because I was watching it. I wasn't watching the, the clipped version, like the you know uh, Big Ten and 60 or whatever it is. I was watching the full replay. Right. And the first quarter is forgettable. Most of the second quarter is Michigan somewhat forgettable. Michigan controlled so much of that game. Yeah. Uh, it just felt like that was Michigan was going to win that game. Still, though, I gotta definitely watch the finish and um, you know check that spot. Um, thoughts, feelings. Um, you okay with this list? Don't worry about what everyone else says. Do you feel okay with it? Well, yeah, like I said, I mean, you could you could make a very good case for any of the top five being number one, really. Although Florida State, Michigan, that's another game that where the ending probably distracts us from the fact that half the game kind of sucked. Um, yeah, I didn't so want really, to mention really, that one. I, I watched that game on TV from the Fiesta Bowl or the night before the Fiesta Bowl from my hotel mm-hmm. and. That was definitely one where I think I was multitasking until the last couple minutes. Right, and and that's the fourth quarter. In 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 the end, the in terms of what we remember, the fourth quarter counts as much as the rest of the game does. Obviously, so that obviously helped. Um, the, the just the pure level of talent and athleticism and quality on the field actually obviously helped too. Um, now, if that, that ends that up being a, a playoff or national title match here, and maybe even next season. Um, we will probably revisit that game and pick it apart yeah. with a different kind of interest. But yeah, so if you were if like if you you have a if you think Tennessee Georgia should have been higher, you have a very good case. If you think Rose Bowl should have been number one, you have a very good case. If you think Kentucky Louisville should have been in the top one hundred, you're sure. You, let's we we can certainly say that uh, it should have, and that's great. But like I said, I, I it whatever. It's my list. <laughs> oh, and by the way, so now the last thing we'll cover here is that Jason the next day. Um, oh yeah, the, the top ten worst posted the top 10, the, the 10 worst games of the year. Uh, Auburn 56, Arkansas 3. That that was, I mean, it was bad. It was a blowout, and it was nationally televised and all that. Oh, I think, was it, I was going to say it was CBS. Was it CBS or, or ESPN? Whatever. Um, uh, that was an ESPN game. That was, where, I mean, that was Auburn's announcement that they're actually a really good football team. Arkansas had all sorts of defensive issues this year. Um, but the, for, for like the middle of the year, Auburn was an outstanding football team. They couldn't keep it up, but they were a job saver for Gus. Yeah. Um, Ohio state 62, three, this was, uh, this made the list. I mean, number one, cause it was a blowout, but also at, like, um, like Jason pointed out, it got the big game treatment, you know, yeah. that, as much as that can boost certain games. Um, it, it was, Hey, look at this big game. Oh God, this is terrible. Oh God. There's, there's nothing else to watch right now. Um, he put a middle Tennessee, he put middle Tennessee 77 at FAU 56 on there as a, uh, counterpoint to thinking all blowouts are good or all shootouts are good. Uh, Penn State Rutgers with the shot of the almost completely empty stands. I, I, a couple Rutgers fans tried to defend themselves by pointing out that um, their team was terrible. They were losing big, and it was like 20 degrees and freezing rain. Uh, so, like, I, I wouldn't have been there for at that point. Um, Baylor or Texas Tech 54, Baylor 35 was on there. Uh, I think mostly for the fact that it lasted like five hours. Florida State Boston College. Uh, oh wait, I'd say the reason why. A little insight into our editor's mind here. 
That was a night game. Oh yeah, it was on Friday, the Friday after Thanksgiving. That's right. I guarantee you, Jason was probably Jason was probably working the test that night or trying to wrap up stuff, and it's because it 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 just lingered on into the evening. <laughs> I guarantee you, that's why I made the list. Uh, Florida State Boston College was just you know bad. Didn't Tulsa, oh Friday Tulsa. night game. I did watch that, and I was oh. like working on an expense report while I was watching it. I, it was fine to me. Tulsa 55, Central Michigan 7 in front of uh, – in, in a mostly empty uh, – Yeah, that's pure trash. That's, that, this is, that, that is the freaking – how do I say this without swearing? It's everything that bull critics want when they, when they want to <laughs> criticize bulls. Right. I, I mean, I, I, I enjoyed the heck out of Tulsa, though, so like I, I still found enjoyment in it. Um, Colorado 20, UCLA 10. That was I a game where – I put that one at number one. That was yeah. awful. That was a game where I remember it being close and kind of turning on a punt return. And so that was a game like I, I started to write down on the on the candidates list for top. And then I realized, wait, no, that game was terrible. That was an yeah. awful football game. Never mind. We were having so much fun with Colorado, America's team, of course. Um, and we all tuned in for that one. That we really want. We were really projecting. That was a night game as well. Wasn't it a Thursday game? Oh, yeah. It was a, It was either Thursday or Friday. Yeah. Yeah. I think I was I was making a. A pretentious point of not watching whatever NFL game was on that night. No, no, no I don't watch Colorado. It's America's team. And then just kind of sitting there and gritting my teeth after a while, I'd be like, I'm watching Colorado. It's America's team. Awful. Uh, Awful. Just blame Jim Mora for it. I think I watched every other Colorado game too, just to reassure myself that this wasn't something we were just projecting that they're actually a good team. And that was, I mean, it was uncharacteristic. They were, I tell you what, they were, because when I was doing the replay story, we were, the replay story is the whole, like, second crew official thing they were monitoring the colorado oregon game just two totally different teams yeah like completely different um so I've, tension and and it just kind of added up but yeah, yeah that's um, probably my worst game in watchability of the year has no no real impact on anything but the next game i i think absolutely deserved to be on the best and worst list the nc state notre dame hurricane game um dreadful in every possible way and there's no way you were turning away from it yeah I don't know though. I feel like it's, and that's why that's why Jay on his list put it was also the best game. Is think all right, just think for a second. What I've said and what you've said on this on this episode of the podcast um, directs Twitter in one direction, like puts everybody. Oh my God, come watch this! Right, it has that. Yeah, um, it's talked about extensively for weeks after, both relative to the circumstances of the teams and then also just to the the merits of what you saw. Okay. Yeah. Uh, turns into memes, did that, right? Um, sticks in your head immediately when someone mentions it, it did that. So it actually did all the things that you want a good football game to do. It was just absolute trash football because of the, just because of the weather. And for some reason, Notre Dame just can't, could not stop itself from trying to throw the football. And it was uh, this weird compulsion thing that, I mean, Mike Sanford, we know, is a good offensive coordinator. He proved it in 2015. He just got promoted to a head coach. He's clearly a good, a good at what he does. They could not stop trying to throw the football, and it was just baffling. Bill, take a note. I'm going to go ask Mike Sanford about that game. He's only 60 miles away. Um, That's okay. For another piece, I'm going to try to talk to Dan Enos, um, and I'm absolutely going to bring up that 20, uh, what 2014 fade route uh, that he called in the Central Michigan-Western Kentucky game. So it's all good. I remember that. Wow. Holy crap, the greatest ending of all time. I can't believe Central Michigan came back. Oh, they're going for two. It's going to be amazing. Oh, fade route, are you kidding me? (laughs) 
I like finding things that make you mad, especially years later. Uh, so number one on the list, did we even mention it? Uh, Jason has Florida 24, Georgia 10, and all other SEC East games not involving Tennessee or maybe Kentucky. I think he's dead on. Or yeah, Georgia, I, I got, I, Georgia I mean, was like, ass. Um, the, the Missouri fan in me wanted to draw resentment from this, but then I realized the only no. two memorable, fun Missouri games in conference play were against Tennessee, which doesn't count because of his right. specification, and against Arkansas, which also didn't count because they're not East. So I, I wanted to object to that, and then I realized I no. could not in any way object to that. Although, at, although Georgia Missouri made the list. So I hate to feed I hate to feed our editorial bias here with all of our Florida grads in their their fake self-loathing on how terrible it is to be a Florida <laughs> fan right now, but okay, you it was, said it, I didn't. it's you an said unwatchable it. product right now in a lot of ways, especially if you are a Florida fan and you have the institutional memory of Urban and Spurrier. I get that. So there's that. Georgia, not even really fun to watch as a work in progress this year. Um, it was also super easy and super fun for people like me to sit back and snipe at him for firing Mark Rick. Uh, and fire, 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 F word, fired. Um, and then Vanderbilt, it's, uh, it, hmm, how do I separate this? Vanderbilt's doing a lot of great things. They're doing what they should be doing, and they're also really ugly to watch. It's like pretty good things, pretty good things. There's, they're not doing any great things. They're doing great things relative to what I thought Derek Mason would be able to do and what, what any Vanderbilt team sans like a year and a half of James Franklin could do. Right. So, Yes, uh, pretty good normally. Great in the in the in the sliding scale of Vanderbilt grades. Um, and, and then, the, the, and like then Missouri, Missouri. I mean, you, you, no, I think you hit the nail on the head on Missouri. It's just it's rough. Missouri's trying to do fun things. They just uh, weren't ready to do them yet. They light a, they light a lot of fireworks, but most of them go off in the driveway. <laughs> and Kentucky is um, Kentucky was pretty terrible to watch until. Maybe Kentucky, Halloween. I, I, they're one of the teams I I, I kind of do with this preview series. I have a list of teams I can't wait to talk about because yeah. uh, Kentucky did something that seems so natural. You wonder why it doesn't happen more often. They, you know, they hired what Eddie Grand mm-hmm. uh, as OC. You know, he's a they, they, you know, and what's his name, the quarterback coach that you also Hinshaw. Hinshaw, yeah. yeah. Um, like I was like, all right, well, they're going to finally get this passing game in order. That's going to be – that's why you bring them on is so, so that you can finally figure out how to throw the football. Well, Drew Barker gets hurt. Um, they weren't throwing the football well with Drew Barker. And then about, what, three what, – th- four – after Alabama, I guess, starting with maybe the Vanderbilt game and then really the Mississippi State game, they kind of stepped back and realized, well, okay, we've got Steven Johnson at quarterback now. Uh, he can't throw the ball to save his life, but – um, well, A, he's throwing better than Drew Barker is, but really he can run the ball a little bit. And uh, this Benny Snell guy, uh, this freshman, appears to be very good at running the football. And we've got Stanley Boom Williams. I think we're going to turn into a running offense. And they did, and they were awesome. Uh, you know, for, for a, a stretch there, they, it was, for, what, okay, so 40 points against Mississippi State, 35 against Missouri, 24 against Georgia in the game they really, they, they, where they blew it, but then 36 again against Tennessee, 49 Austin P, 41 Louisville. Um, for the last half of the season, basically, they completely transformed themselves into a watchable, fun, run, running football team. Um, they never Their defense still hasn't come around under Stoops, and it's going to cost him eventually. But, yeah, just that natural, hey, actually we do these well, things well. Let's try to do more of them. It probably needs to happen more in college football than it actually does. My dog just coughed through your entire analysis. We're, we're so on brand today. Bill. 
My phone hasn't rung yet. Well, I'll call it. We're done, Bill. We hit 100 games. Actually, we hit like 17, but we hit 100 games. The 2016 is now officially over. Preview time. So you do you want to tease who's first on the previews? Uh, well, we're starting Sunday. So, right? Yeah, it's Coastal first and then Texas State. Just heavy hitters right out of the gate. I'm excited. I did talk to a part of the Texas State preview is going to be about the fact that I talked to a Texas State assistant in, in, um, in the preseason, and he basically said, yeah, we're not going to be very good this year. <laughs> uh, they, just, they, didn't have the number, they didn't have the numbers. The fit wasn't right. Then a couple of guys get hurt in uh, September, and they were the worst football team in, in FBS. Uh, so at the very least, it wasn't surprising to them, and it they happens. probably had a plan for how to rebound uh, moving forward after Everett Withers' first year. It happens. All right. As always, we thank you for your time. You can follow Mr. Bill Connolly on Twitter at SBN underscore Bill C and myself on Twitter and Instagram at 38Godfrey. Uh, be sure to subscribe and review at whatever it is you listen to us on, um, SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, Overcast, I don't care. Um, we are going to be back next Thursday. Again, one more time, set your expectations appropriately. All right? I don't want any of them snipey, passive-aggressive tweets on Wednesday afternoon. It's signing day. I will be with the coaching staff for like some stupid thing I committed to like 20 hours in a row or something. Um, I have to bring like a change of clothes. Uh, and then I will be traveling back on Thursday. We should be able to tack one on Thursday. If not, it'll be Friday. And then we go to a uh, consistent, reliable Wednesday <laughs> schedule. Okay? Sure. Yeah. All right. So hush my children. We're going to get to it. Bill, you want to do it again next week? I think we should try to do it again next week. Yeah. Okay. All right. We'll do it again next week. <laughs>